we're really thankful for the welcoming you guys have all given. Um, you know, we're from a different church and different structure, and um, I guess we're just really thankful for the opportunity. And <clears throat> when we sing, we we really want to follow the Lord. So don't listen to our voices. Listen, listen to the Word. Listen. I pray the Spirit just goes out among you, and then you get the blessing that really <clears throat> that God's put on our heart. Um, We've really prayed uh, that God will put us somewhere that <clears throat> we can use the gifts that he's given us. And uh, it's different down here. Um, we, we started out really in Ohio. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of a story, maybe a testimony. But um, we started out in Ohio. Uh, we went to Lima Missionary Baptist Church for all of her life. And probably I went there for 20-some years. Um, and then God moved us to Kentucky. Uh, he said, I've got, a, I've got a job for you. And we were there for the past three and a half years. And um, we really felt like things, uh, we were just following the Lord. And um, we just felt like things just kind of came to an end for us there. And we, God said, here's a new chapter. And he moved us down here. Um, and we're just looking for a church and where God wants us. Not where we want to be, but where God wants us. So you just pray for us. Um, listen to the words. and. And my 
side is getting dim. Oh, how sweet it is in knowing I can bring it all to Him. So I'll just bring it all to Him when no one understands. When you're looking for an answer, God always has a plan. When the burdens get so heavy and my sight is getting dim, oh, how sweet it is in knowing I can bring it all to Him. Yes. All right, man, what a, what a surprise. I'll tell you, I should have had you guys do that in Sunday school because that was really a lot of the point of Sunday school was bring it to him. We're not, we don't have the signs of an apostle, you know, so, you know, you, you tell other people your prayer request, but you bring it all to him. And that's the point. Even when you're telling people your prayer request, you're still bringing it to him, asking other people to pray for you. So... God knows what he's doing. In fact, I know when I'm in John, if you would turn there to the book of John, chapter 15, um, I'll be talking about the peace of God, which is Philippians 4, 6, and 7, about prayer. So it also goes with a morning service, uh, but praise God, glory, hallelujah. I, I love that. And uh, you guys harmonize. There's nothing like a family singing together because you the harmony somehow... You harmonize together uh, in a special way. Uh, I think some of the best singing groups are uh, families uh, because, you know, you're able to sing while you're driving down the road, too. And I'm sure, I'm sure I'd like to be a fly on the window. Uh, well, probably not. You got, two, you got a couple of young kids. I, you probably don't want to do that. Uh, they'd probably open the window and let me out or something. I'd get hit by a truck, just be a splatter spot. I don't know how I'm going with that. I think I just need to transition into the Bible. So let's do that. John chapter uh, 15, or 14 actually. John chapter 14. We went through the first uh, 26 verses. We're in verse 27. Verse 27, it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Boy, listen, I, I listened to the words. I'm glad you told us, Bob, to listen to the words because I really focused in on that. And that verse right there is what you were singing. Let not your heart be troubled. Uh, neither let it be afraid. Trust in the Lord. Verse 28. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, ye would rejoice. Because I said, I go unto the Father, for, the, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it come to pass, ye might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the Prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. So as we're looking at these scriptures here, uh, the first word in verse 27 is peace. 
And you should be familiar with two points here. Number one, when you get saved, you're at peace with God. The Bible says He died for His enemies. He died for sinners. Uh, He died for you and He died for me. But we were enemies, and then once we get saved, we're at peace with God. We're no longer His enemy. But then once you get saved, then you need a living peace of God uh, in order to enable you to function in life, to have sanity, to, to, to know what He wants you to do, the direction He wants you to go. And that's the peace of God that He gives, but it only comes through prayer. We're going to look at those two verses because it's so very important to see that. So look at Philippians chapter 4. First of all, the, the prayer verse. Philippians chapter 4, one of my favorite verses in the Bible because of how much it changed my life. Philippians 4 verse 6, the Bible says, Be careful for nothing. Be careful, be full of care for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So he says, if you'll pray, you will have peace that the world cannot understand. You will have peace that will keep your heart and mind sane through Christ Jesus. The reason the world is in such a mess is because it doesn't have that peace. People talk about peace all the time. Oh, I want world peace. Listen, I'd love to see world peace. Do you know how rarely this world has ever seen world peace? Very rarely in in, in our lifetime, let alone in the history of man. It just doesn't happen because men are always trying to to go against God. Uh, Some say, well, you know, war is God's judgment upon the world here and now. Hell is the judgment hereafter. That's what war may be. So that's the peace of God. Now, let's back up. Before you get saved, you are an enemy of God. I mentioned that. Look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And this is what's amazing about just two words, of and with. That's why you don't change the Bible at all. Because when you see that you have the peace of God through prayer, you need to know that you are at peace with God through salvation. Romans 5.1 Therefore, being justified by faith. So we're talking about people that have been saved. They're justified by faith. You know, uh, For by grace he is saved through faith, not of yourselves. The gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith unto this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have peace with God. At salvation, you have that peace with God. Prayer, you have the peace of God which passeth all understanding. And that's a simple point and a simple truth. Jesus said in John, Peace I leave with you. Peace I leave with you. What an amazing thing to say. I I want peace. If you've ever been married for any length of time, the one thing you want is peace. And... (laughs) 
That was as good as an amen back there. Um, you, you and I, we want peace in our relationships. You want peace at work. And, you know, I've, I've worked jobs where there was anything but peace. You know, they were, I mean, I got my, one of my first jobs. I, I taught school in 1984, 85. And then I went on to an accounting job, and it was 30 women in the accounting department, and they didn't want a man in there. You know what they said? They're going to run me off in a year. I had no peace. The whole, I, would, I would drive to uh, work, uh, sharing a car with my wife, and I'd just say, it's you and me against the world. I mean, it was tough. They said they're going to run me off in a year. You know how long I stayed? 13 months. Yeah. And then I went to an accounting firm and became a CPA. I mean, God was in the whole thing, but I needed to go through that difficult time so I could appreciate all the workers of the world. Man, I tell you, I've worked. I mean, I know what it's like. That's why on Wednesday night, I don't, I, you don't come in here and I waste your time. Because I don't want to waste your time. I know what it's like to work out there in the world and then come to church and, and be tired, be worn out. Man, you want, to, you want to get to the Word of God? You want, to be, you want to listen? You want to learn something? You want to know something? Maybe you didn't know before, but you want to be, you want to be changed? That's what it's all about. Look at what he says. Peace I leave with you. My peace I Give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's why it says, be careful for nothing in Philippians 4. Be full of care. Be careful for nothing. Don't be full of care. He says, my peace. Don't be troubled. You look at the world today and there is no peace. People are troubled on every side. The song you guys sang. I mean, it's funny because I didn't remember that this was the beginning of, of the passage that we're in today. But it goes right along with the song that they sang. That's why you need to listen to the words. That's why when somebody is singing, try to focus in on the words that are being said. The same way with preaching. Focus in on the words. Don't focus in on me so much because you know, then you'll you know, either go to sleep or, or leave. Focus in on what's being said. Focus in on the Scripture. Peace I leave you. So let's look at Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26. What an encouraging verse here. Isaiah chapter 26. Verse 3. Look at what the Bible says. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. He says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Why do you think they kicked God out of the schools? Prayer out of the schools, because, because the devil didn't want young people focusing in on him. You have to fight against the system to focus on God in the schools. You have to have a, a teacher maybe that is, is saved in order to have an opportunity to, to hear the truth, sometimes in different ways, and then maybe you, it, it pricks a young person's conscience and they come up and they want to talk to you about the Lord. Praise God and glory, hallelujah. We have that in the schools much more here in the south than up north. But we have it. 
And it makes a difference. Thank God for Christian school teachers and and Christian nurses and Christian doctors and, and lawyers and accountants and moms and dads. This world doesn't know what God has to offer it because it doesn't realize that the only way to have true, perfect peace in your heart is through God and through a relationship that only comes from Him. Look at Psalm 119. Psalm 119. You wonder why the the devil tries to destroy uh, the Bible and people trusting in it. We'll just look at one verse, 165. Psalm 119. Everything about the Word of God. Verse 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Great peace have they which love thy law. And look at what it says. Nothing shall offend them. If you're easily offended, the problem is you many times. And you need to realize that. I don't get offended. I, 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 you could say something to me and I look at it and I listen to it. And, 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 and you may upset me, but it's rarely ever more than 24 hours and rarely ever more than 12 hours. That's how long my attention span is. I just, I just choose not to be offended. I choose to forgive before you offend. And then when somebody says something that, is, that, that you don't really understand why they would say that or what they're saying, listen, just choose not to be offended. Why? Because the Bible says nothing shall offend them. Who? Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You can have peace or you can walk around with your feelings on your shoulder. And people, you just, hey, come on, knock it off there. I'll show you how, how, how uh, upset I can be in life. Listen, nothing, nothing shall offend them. Wow, imagine a church where nobody gets offended. Imagine, imagine a home where nobody gets offended. Do you know that the way to a good relationship is choose to never be offended by what the other one says? Easier said than done. But it's something we ought to all strive for. It's something that if you aren't conscious with that truth and that principle, you won't know what you're supposed to do. I'm here to tell you that that's the way you have a happy home. Choose not to be offended. That's the way to have a happy church. That's the way to have a happy employment. That's the way to have a happy friendship. Somebody says something, they're a friend of yours, and you thought they'd react this way, and they reacted this way, and you reacted to their reaction, and then they reacted to your reaction. By the time you get done, it's just a schism like that. No, choose not not to be offended. Choose to look at it and say, hey, they had a bad day. Hey, I I don't think they know how they came across. Hey, they're usually like this, and now it came across like this. Well, I'm never going to like them again. What's that? You want to have friends? You do one thing. Show yourself friendly. That's a life-changing verse. There are people that go to school and they go, I don't have any friends. I don't have any friends. You know why you don't have friends? You don't show yourself friendly to everybody. Then they look at you and go, well, look at that sourpuss. Boy, I wouldn't want to be her friend. I wouldn't want to be his friend. Look at the way they got their all face all gnarled up. And, 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 and you know what you do there? You're unapproachable. You know what you've got to do? You've got to, hey, you've got to make yourself approachable. The best way to make yourself approachable is you do this. That's a smile. And, and then, you know what that does? That attracts people. Don't do it with guys yet. Wait for mom and dad to tell you it's okay. <laughs> hey, 
show yourself friendly. You know what this church does? It shows itself friendly. You know why people love to come here on vacation? Is because the church shows themselves friendly. You know how to be a good real estate agent? Show yourself friendly. Whatever you do, show yourself friendly. Boy, I'll tell you, you get around some people and they are a downer, complaining all the time. Man, I, you know what I do? Uh-huh, 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 yeah. I don't do that, but I, I, I simply just find a way to get away sometimes. Look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, you've got to make sure you understand your Bible. Jesus didn't come down to this earth to send peace, and that's what you have to understand. In Matthew chapter 10, he clarifies that. And he says, he says this, he says in verse 34 of Matthew chapter 10, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes shall be they of his own house. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. You know what you got to do? you got to put God first. In everything you do, you put God first. God first. God first. And listen, if you put God first, your relationship in your home will be right. Now, you may have division, but it'll be right. If that division is caused by how close you draw unto God and how close your relationship is with Him, then so be it. The point is, draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh unto you. That's the rule for living for God. He doesn't make you serve Him. If He made you serve Him, you would not serve Him out of love. You know what He wants? He wants you, He wants me to love Him. If we love Him, we will do what He says and we will live the way He wants us to live. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Talking about this peace thing again. Colossians chapter 3. Look at verse 12. The Bible says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Look at those things you're supposed to put on. What are they? Holy and beloved. Bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even... uh, As Christ forgave you, so also do ye. How did He do that? Unconditionally is how He forgave. Verse 14, And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. The peace of God. Of God ruling your hearts. You know what I like about being a Christian is that peace that I know I have. I've been at peace with God for 42 years. And at times I have the peace of God ruling in my heart. And as that peace of God, it comes through prayer, it comes through relationship. That peace of God rules my heart and my life. Listen, I go to sleep at night 
I used to tell, I told you, I used to lay in, lay in bed and just rock and roll for, I don't know if that's a good term, I used to roll and, and just for two hours worrying about my day, rethinking the whole thing, all of my interactions, how I offended somebody, how I said something I shouldn't have said. And now I'll just tell you how I am now. I, I, listen, I try very hard not to offend people. I do. But I still offend people. And you know what I do? If I find out and I think that I have, I will try to make that right. If I think that I have and I try to make it right, or I had the best of intentions, and they misunderstood it, and I can't make it right, I just move on. I just move. There's nothing you can do. You can't fix everything. I used to think I had to fix every situation, and that meant other people's lives too. And I found out, boy, you grab a dog by the ears, and sooner or later that dog's going to turn on you and bite you. It is not my job to fix every problem in this church, not that I know of any. Don't. So I don't want you to think I'm, I'm preaching to somebody. I'm just telling you, I, I don't know of any, but it's not my job to fix it if there was one. Would I get involved? Maybe. Somebody comes to me and says, hey, so-and-so said this, and I thought this, and they did this, and did it. I say, hey, can I call them up and get them here right now? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> well, then we're done. Why, you don't want one-sided. Why wouldn't they want the other person there? And by the way, that's a good philosophy. Somebody comes to you and says, hey, let me tell you about so-and-so. You look at them and say, hey, let's call them up right now and see if we can fix it. Now, there are problems that happen in life. And there are people that do other people wrong. And there are people that take advantage of people in the wrong way all the time. But you've got to figure out what's the best way to work it out. You know what I want? I want peace. I have peace with God through salvation. I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, July 6, 1980, 42 years ago. I'm coming up on an anniversary that'll make it 42. I had to do that math real quick. 80 to, you know, 2022 will be 42. I will have been saved 42 years in July. Wow. That's over, well, it's, it's all my life. I was born as a baby at 42, I'm 42 now. I was going to say it was two-thirds of my life, but uh, that was actually the correct amount. Two-thirds of my life. But I remember until I was 20 and unsaved, I remember what that was like, and it seemed like an eternity that I was not saved. Because sin racks havoc in your life so quickly. But now I've been saved 42 years and I've experienced the peace of God and the overwhelming peace of God which passeth all understanding. How can you describe it? If you came to me and said, hey, describe the peace of God. I don't even know how well I could do. I'd have, to, I'd have to write three paragraphs on the peace of God to try to give you the sense of what it's like when I have the peace of God ruling in my life. So he moves on, and he goes on to the next verse, verse 28 in John 14. He says, Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. He said, listen, I'm leaving, but I'm coming back. This is John 14, John, uh, 14 28. If ye love me, ye would rejoice. Now, that's a hard thing for me to conceptualize. 
He's, he's telling them, look, I've been with you three and a half years. I'm going away. I'll come again. If you love me, you'll rejoice because I said, I go unto the Father for my Father is greater than I. You'd rejoice in the fact that, listen, I haven't done anything but what is good for you and good uh, for the world and good for everybody. Good for He says, I've done only good. If I tell you I'm going to do this, you'd rejoice. Why? Because you ought to know who I am. I can't tell you that. I can't tell you. Listen, if I told you, you ought to rejoice everything I tell you. I can't say that. God can. God, manifest in the flesh, can say that. Anything that I tell you, you ought to rejoice because I tell you and it's true. And I'm not going to tell you anything that's bad for you or harmful. Even though on the surface you're looking and saying, wait a minute, you're leaving us? You're leaving us? He says, yeah, but I said I'm coming back. He's going to go and ascend. He's going to go into the grave before he ascends to the Father. He's going to go in the grave. And three, and a half, three days later, he's going to rise from the grave and he's going to come back again. He's going to spend 40 days with him and then he's going to ascend up into the Father for the second time. Wow. And he says, you ought to rejoice. You know what I, you know what I do? I rejoice that those words are in there. I rejoice that he went to the Father. Because had he not completed what the process would be, here's the process. He's on that cross. He dies on that cross. He takes our sin upon him because he, God can't die unless he becomes sin for us. He takes our sin, for the wages of sin is death. So he dies for us. He, his soul goes into the lower parts of the earth, hell, but hell can't hold him. He goes across that great gulf into paradise, which at that time's in the heart of the earth. In paradise, he stays there for three days. How do you know he's in paradise that day? Because he told the thief on the cross, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. So he's in paradise that day, and then three days later, his soul comes back into his body. And he moves the stone away, or the angel moves the stone away, whatever, and he comes out of there so that people can see in that, in that tomb that he's not there anymore. But he kept his promise. So then he doesn't ascend to the Father right away. He comes out and he tells the women, don't touch me, I haven't ascended to the Father. He ascends back to the Father and then comes back down and he spends 40 days with them before the second ascension. There at the end of the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts chapter 1 is where we're told. And he ascends back to the Father. And I look at those words and I, I, I say, hey, I rejoice over that. I can't imagine living here at that time and being one of the apostles and understanding what he means by rejoicing at that. But I certainly rejoice. And he's talking to us also. So he says, he says for my Father is greater than I. The title of my message today is Father and Son First Among Equals. First Among Equals. The Son is first among equals. They are equal... But yet he's greater than I am, it says. He's first among equals. Look at verse 29. And now I have told you the, before it come to pass that when it come to pass, ye might believe. You know what the problem is? He was not telling them they're going to believe it right then and there. They didn't have the Holy Ghost living in them. They didn't have the power that we have to understand the things that we can understand. They did not have that at that time. But he said, I tell you before it come to pass that when it come to pass, you might believe. He wants them to believe later. How do you know that? Look at John chapter 2. 
John chapter 2. Verse 21, talking about destroying this temple. Three days later, I'll raise it up in verse 19, verse 21. But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, in verse 22, his disciples remembered that he had said unto them, uh, he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. You see, they didn't believe until after the resurrection. They weren't looking forward to the cross. They couldn't have been looking forward to the cross because if they were looking forward to the cross, why did Peter run to the sepulcher and John ran to the sepulcher and they stooped in wondering himself at that which has come to pass? Why did Peter say, Not so, Lord. You're not going to that cross. And Jesus said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Why did, when the women came who had seen the resurrected Christ, why did they come... To the apostles, and the apostles said, it says of them, the words that they spake about the resurrected Christ seemed like idle tales. Because they weren't looking forward to the cross. They didn't understand the cross until it had come to pass. That's what John 2.22 says. That's what it says here. Now, when I, I have told you before it come to pass that when it come to pass, you might believe. He doesn't want them to believe that which they're incapable of believing. Verse 30, Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. The prince of the world cometh, he hath nothing in me. You look at verses like James and... Um, boy, I don't even know where to take you. Look at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The prince of this world cometh and he hath, he hath nothing in me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, look at verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you. By us we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteous of God in Him. You see, the prince of this world had nothing in him. He knew no sin. There was no sin in him. He died on that cross as the perfect, sinless Son of God, and it was the only acceptable sacrifice that could be paid for your sin and my sin. He shed that blood, and when a person trusts in Him, that blood is a propitiation for their sin. It's applied on your behalf because He died for you and because you accept Him as Savior. The Bible says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Without believing on what He did on that cross, you cannot be saved. There's no other hope in no other means because there's no other name given among men whereby ye must be saved but the name of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 4, go ahead and turn there. Hebrews chapter 4, talking about this sinless Son of God. You ought, to, you ought to see these scriptures for yourself. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession.
For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. He was tempted every way you've been tempted, yet without sin. I can't say that about myself. I sin. I'm a sinner. I needed a Savior because I'm a sinner. I need a Savior because I'm a sinner today. I need, I, need, I need forgiveness for fellowship, not forgiveness for salvation. Turn your Bibles to another passage, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. These, these are important verses to understand because if you understand these you will understand more about who Jesus was and Jesus is. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For even hereunto were we called, were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that, we, that ye should follow His steps. Next verse. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in His mouth. He did no sin. There was no sin. He never sinned. The perfect, sinless Son of God. In the Old Testament, God required the shedding of blood for the remission of sins. And they would bring animals and sacrifices and it would cover over their sin, but it could never take away their sin, the Bible says. It was all a picture to point to the Savior that would come and that would die on that cross for them one day. That's all it was. It didn't bring salvation. It brought fellowship, unification. It brought relationship. See, my relationship's already settled. He will never leave me nor forsake me, the Bible says. That's comforting. I have Jesus and He will remain in dwelling in me until the day of redemption. What's the day of redemption? Well, my soul and my spirit are already redeemed. My body is waiting for the adoption and the redemption of the purchased possession. I'm waiting for the day that He changes my vile body and glorifies it just like His body. No more sin, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. I'm waiting for that day. He had no sin. Look at John chapter 3. John chapter 3. <clears throat> and I just want to make sure that this point comes across clear as can be. Because if you can't accept that Jesus had no sin, you have no Savior. Because without the sinless Son of God, there is no blood shed. And it says in Acts 20, 28, it's the blood of God. There is no sinless sacrifice for you to be saved with. John chapter 3, and we could go through so much, but <clears throat> for time's sake, let's just look at, um, I think it's verse 5. 
John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel ye not that I said unto you, ye must be born again. I have no idea. Oh, 1 John. That was all good, but that was free. 1 John 3. Like, like Robert was pointing out in my Bible, if, <laughs> if you can read this, well, every now and then I cannot read my note in my Bible. I missed the one. I was sitting there reading it thinking, that is not what I read this morning. 1 John 3, look at verse 5. And ye know that He was manifested to take away our sins. And in Him is no sin. He was manifested to take away all our sins. In Him is no sin. Wow. Now why does the Bible tell you that over and over again? Because it is one of the most important doctrines you can learn. And I said that word, doctrine. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And the first thing it says is for doctrine. Do you know how important doctrine is? Now I go to, a, I go to several meetings and several churches are there. This church never really... Um, got engaged like I'm engaged. And, and the reason that we don't is because, oh, we gotta, you can't be unequally yoked together. Well, I don't unequally yoke together with anybody. However, it doesn't mean that we in this community cannot and should not be engaged with the community. We need to be. And so I go to a meeting and they, you know, have all these different denominations and they say, well, you know, and they, I haven't heard this, but some of them do this and they say, well, you know, we don't, we don't divide on doctrine. I don't divide on doctrine. All I do is preach doctrine. You probably divide from me if you don't agree with me. And, and this morning when I was teaching in Sunday school, I was teaching some things that a lot of those churches wouldn't agree with at all. And you know what? I don't have to divide from anybody. Because all I've got to do is preach the truth. And just like Jesus said, I didn't come to send peace. I came to send division. So if people divide from us, that's their choice. You know what we're going to do? We're going to show ourselves friendly. We're going we're to show ourselves that we love every soul in this city, in this county, in this state, in this country, and in the world. We love every soul. But it doesn't mean they're all going to agree with us. But doctrine's important. I'm a Bible teacher. If I have not doctrine, I really don't have anything to say. So what do you do? You don't compromise doctrine. I'm going to teach the truth. I'm going to preach the truth. I'm not going to be ugly or arrogant in doing so. However, not everybody's going to agree with this church. Not everybody's going to agree that, that you know, we shouldn't have black lights and black ceilings and black walls and, and uh, you know, drums and all that stuff that goes on in order to draw all the kids in and, and, and fill all the pews with a bunch of kids. And, 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 you know, then all of a sudden it all gets carried away and you wonder what in the world happened to all the doctrine. You can't preach doctrine to a bunch of people that are there to be entertained. I'm not here to entertain you. 
I'll do the best I can. Just because that's, I don't tell jokes. Very rarely do I tell a joke. I heard one the other day. I can't even repeat it. It wasn't that bad, but it wasn't that good. Do I? I was at a chamber meeting. Just told you I wasn't going to tell you. Because, well, actually, guy looked at his phone. He said, do you realize that the president is in the hospital? Yeah. President's in the hospital. You know why? Couldn't stop Putin. I told them there, I said, I can't tell that joke in church. <laughs> but I did laugh my head off, so I'm so sorry that I told that joke in, in church. But I see that most of you delayed, got it, and you know, that was the point. So you see, I can be funny. The point is, look, I, I'm not going to compromise. I, I, I'm not going to say, listen, you know, teaching the Bible is not important. What would I do up here if I didn't teach the Bible? Certainly not going to sing. <laughs> I have to get a fill-in when Gary's gone just because it's not me. I'm not, you know, the song leader. I couldn't, I wouldn't even know how to, I, I know you're supposed to hit the beat or something, you know, you know that, I, I remember that part. But after that, I'm done. I can't even hear the beat, I'm so deaf. Let's go ahead and finish up these passages here. John 14, verse 31. He says, but that the world may know that I love the Father. You know how many times that's in the Bible? One time he says, I love the Father. What you'll find is, is uh, six times you'll find that the Father loves the Son. But one time he says, but th- that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. Let us go hence. The Father and Son are first. He's first among equals. One God in three persons. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. One God in three persons. Let's all stand together. If the only thing you remember is my joke, shame on you. And shame on me for telling it at the end and not in the middle. All right. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for your many blessings. We just ask that you guide, lead, and direct in all things. Lord, we love you and praise you and give you all the honor and glory for anything that is done to thy benefit here. And we pray this in Jesus' name. With your head bowed and eyes closed, if God's spoken to you in some way, the altar is open.